the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Don't have time to go on SoCal Live today? Leave Scott a voicemail at 213-537-3812. That's 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host and former candidate for British Prime Minister. I guess that's not going to be me. I guess you got to live there to to do that job. But I think during the days of COVID, we learned we can do different jobs by remote. So why not? It's great to be with you today. We're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about our own local stuff here, as we do each and every day from 3 to 5 here on Southern California Live. You can join the conversation by giving me a call at 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. That's 888-528-2557. You can also send me an email at Southern Cal- at SoCalLive. Don't send it to Southern California anything. Go SoCalLive at KKLA.com. SoCalLive at KKLA.com. All right, Election Day is just 15 days from now, and uh, we are looking forward to that. Did you know that this weekend there was a debate between Governor Newsom and Republican challenger Brian Dolly? Uh, Did you know there was a debate? Did you know he had a Republican challenger? This has been the quietest gubernatorial election I've ever seen. I don't think I have uh, seen it even one time this quiet. Well, there was a lot of conversation in that. I'm going to play you some clips of that here in just a minute so you get a feel for it. But I really want us to focus on this subject because it is a subject with anything we're doing here in the politics. It's not a matter of money and programs. It's policy. And the reason that things don't change in our state is we don't change policy. We change people. We don't usually change party, but we're changing people. But it is policy, and this is the same wherever you go, that you can throw money at a problem and you can have programs, but nothing is going to actually work if the policy isn't right. That's true also in your church. It's true in your business. It's true wherever you go. A lot of conversation about this story, California test scores. There's a story in the, in the Los Angeles Times today. California test scores show deep pandemic drops. Two in three students don't meet math standards. Two in three students don't meet math standards. And the story pointed out that the scores have also amplified the troubling fact that even before the pandemic, 60%, 60% of California students were, be, were testing below grade level in math and nearly half in English. My friends, this is not a matter of money or programs. It's policy. It's policy that determines how money is spent and where. This is why voting matters, and it matters that we pay attention to how we're voting, not just by what letter is after the name of whoever we might be voting for. This is what this is about. Policy matters a lot more than funding. This came up in the debate this weekend with Gavin Newsom and Republican challenger Brian Dolly, and uh, this was a debate that got a little bit personal if you watch some of it. And uh, here's Governor Newsom attacking Dolly about opposing many of the multi-billion dollar investments that we have now made in California over the past few years in our education. 
National Education Group for our unprecedented education reforms. You continue to push down what we're trying to do on education, not surprisingly because you opposed universal preschool. We have fully funded it. You opposed the $3.5 million billion we put in to retain and support the professional development of our teachers. You opposed after school for all. You opposed summer school for all. You opposed nine hour days and reimagining the school day. Now, I want you to listen to all those things. It's a list of different things that have been passed in California. Are those programs working? Do those programs actually work? We've been passing programs and spending money for years. And what's happened? This was Brian Dolly's response. You know, the governor talks about all these programs he put forth, and there is, there is more money in our education system than there's ever been, governor. That's a fact because of Prop 98. But 50,000 students didn't show up for school the first day in L.A. Unified School District this year. Why is that? Because the policies you put forward are pushing kids and parents away from the public school system because it's not teaching our children uh, the, the, the things they need like, uh, you know, curriculum and ABCs. We're getting all kinds of other social stuff that's being shoved onto our children and parents are leaving our system. And that's a fact. So it's... Brian Dolly, maybe not the best debater, right? Governor Newsom, he was pretty, uh, you know, pretty well spoken on different things, and that's kind of his his thing, right? He's definitely running for president, I think. Brian Dolly is just trying to become governor and deal with this in this debate. But you hear him talk about all the money that's being spent, and and yet fifty thousand kids did not return to just Los Angeles public schools this year. He's talking about all of the problems, parents leaving. Are you? If you had your kid in the public school and you have left or you would like to leave or you're trying to figure out how to leave exactly, it is it is a significant problem in our state and throwing millions of dollars. L.A. Times says that the profound challenges facing California schools and educators that are focusing on helping children recover from deep pandemic setbacks. By the way, it's not the pandemic that set the kids back. It's the shutdowns of the schools. Almost everybody knew that we could go back to school after that first summer of 2020. And yet we didn't go for such a long, long time. They really should wear the mask. That was just this year. No, we we are still dealing with this in our state. Most of the country moved on, including most of the private schools, even in our own state, moved on. This is... uh, This is a big deal. And this is the difference between money and policy. The governor continues to talk about how much money and work is being spent on programs for our schools. And he's right about that. There's been a lot of new programs, a lot of different things passed. But is it working? I don't think it's working. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join our conversation. Uh, This was Governor Newsom's response to Dolly, by the way, which I kind of laughed at because he didn't mean to say this. I take offense at our policies and strategies. (laughs) I I take offense at our policies and strategies. Well, that's what Brian Dolly was saying, that he takes offense at your policies and strategies. But uh, that's not what he meant. He meant I took offense at whatever Brian Dolly just had to say about that. But what Brian Dolly was trying to argue is that the policies are bad. It's not the money. We spend more money per kid than any other state. It's not even close. And yet we're not scoring well. In fact, something that I thought was interesting, kind of a pushback on the scores that were reported in the L.A. Times today of our kids, was that actually California did a little better than some other states. We weren't as bad as some other states. You know, the reason why that is, in part, is because 
it's hard to do completely worse than the other states when we're already at the bottom. From a percentage standpoint, reading scores will probably go up, you know, if we're going from one to two. That's just, it's just a little bit different when we have such poor scores. It can fluctuate a little bit down there at the bottom. It doesn't mean growth when you're that bad off. That's where we are. This is a matter of policy, not money. And I say this because I think we not only need to think about this in our politics, but we need to think about this in our life. Sometimes we think if I just had the money, if I just had enough money, then my problems would go away. Do you ever feel like that in your life? I think that sometimes we do. And you know what is proven to be true is that that doesn't work. That if you've got, you know, there's many people listening who you need to make more money. You need to make more money to pay your bills. You're going to have to leave the state. There's a whole lot of things that are hard. You're in financial difficulty. Sometimes you're there because you've gotten yourself into terrible debt. Sometimes you're there because your income isn't enough and you need to make a little more money. But most people, when you're making, you know, in the, the high five digits there, you're fine. You're going you're gonna to pay the bills, you're going to eat, you're going to drive your cars, you're going to pay the gas, even with crazy things. And you can make a lot more money and maybe get a fancier house or maybe get, you know, a fancier whatever it is, fancier car, all that stuff, but it doesn't make you more happy. See, it's the way you live your life, how you make decisions, how you make moral choices, how you interact with other people. Those things, that's just like your personal policies, those make the difference in your life. That is what wisdom is. And that idea translates into how you run your business. It translates into how we run our state. If you wonder why education is so poor in California, but also nationally, which was a big point of this study that came out, it's not because we're dumb people, and it's not because we have bad teachers necessarily. Most of our teachers are great, actually, who really wish, what I hear from teachers, what I hear from you when you call, what I hear from teachers that I know, teachers that I run into whenever we have a conversation, what I hear is that you wish you could be educators, that you wish you didn't have to parent everybody. You wish that parents were on your side whenever there's an issue of conflict. You wish you had more flexibility in the classroom to actually teach math or science or English and to put things together in ways that you find to be restrictive. You're frustrated. When I talk to retired teachers, you know what they tell me? They tell me they're glad they got out now because they don't know how they would have dealt with some of the stuff that you're being forced to teach, particularly moral things and um, that sort of stuff. This is Southern California Live. The the number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. We're talking about uh, the difference between policy and program, the difference between talking about and our politicians and being that it's an election year, we're hearing a lot about programs and we've passed this legislation or we have these new policies or we've spent this much money. There is a difference between policy and program. We're spending more money than ever, but 50,000 students in L.A. Unified alone uh, have left the schools. And according to the L.A. Times story, two out of three California students did not meet state math standards. Two out of three. And more than half did not meet English standards on state assessments taken in the spring, reflecting sizable drops, this is the L.A. Times, in performance compared to the year before the pandemic. 
when large numbers of students were already struggling to meet grade level expectations. The test results, according to the LA Times, are even more devastating for black, Latino, low income and other historically undeserved students. 84% of black students and 79% of Latino and low income students did not meet state math standards in 2022. My friends, this is a disgrace. This is this is with all the money we're spending and all the bragging we're doing about new programs and this and that. Every single country on earth, every single place on earth and every culture on earth, people do better. People do better in life. People make more money. People overcome obstacles, whether those obstacles are economic or physical disability you might have, or um, if they are overcoming obstacles of racism or things like that. In every place in the world, those things are easier to overcome when you have better education, when you become better educated. Does that make sense to you? That we are so much about program and policy and graduation, we're not thinking as much about education. And there's a huge, huge difference. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Nikki in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello, how are you? I'm good, Nikki. Thanks for calling. How are you today? I'm great. I work in the school district as a kindergarten teacher, yeah. and um, I have to agree with you. The You can pour all the money in there that you want, but they're no longer, like you said, just teaching the basics, reading, writing, and arithmetic. And I know we are a global society, and I know you need to work with the children's well-being as well. That, however, has always been in the curriculum in some form, fashion, or another. We have left the teaching of those basic, uh, you know, academics for the kids, and they're just lost. Um, I have three grandchildren um, that are still in the system, can't get out. My daughter was raised in private school, in Christian private school, and I see a drastic difference Um, When my daughter goes to engage, she never misses my son-in-law. They go to parent-teacher conferences. They attend a different school than I'm at. I had my grandchildren with me through kinder and first just to, you know, watch out what they're being taught, especially since they brought so many, how can I say, the gender issues. I didn't want my small grandchildren being exposed to that. That is Mm -hmm. not the school's place. I wanted to, you know, guard that. Um, with all that being said, my daughter, she'll go, my son-in-law, they'll ask, okay, well, how can I help you? How can I partner with you, teacher, to help teach my child? Half the time, they'll start one type of math, then they'll switch out to another math. She doesn't even know how to help my grandson. All of my grandchildren were, were skipped, and they all started out knowing the basics of math and, and reading, writing, and now they switched. They went from you know, like this type of math and then doing this math. And like you said, a new program for this and a new program for that. And then all this social stuff. And my grandkids are absolutely confused on what to do, how to do it. Um, I have a granddaughter that's in high school. She's being taught physics from videos on YouTube where a guy is acting like Pee Wee Herman. And that's too serious of a (laughs) thing. And she's just lost. And she's an honor student. They have just dropped the ball, and like you said, they're throwing in all this money, but what is it doing? Nikki, it's how not long? doing anything. Yeah, well, it hired a guy they're dressed as Pee Wee Herman to, to teach teacher. physics. Uh, yeah, they, Nikki, how long have you been teaching? Parent. Pardon me? How long have you been teaching? 
Oh, I've been teaching for years, over 20-something years. Have you been in kindergarten the whole time? Uh, I've been in various grades. Various grades. Private school, public school, even college level. Uh, but just watching what's being done, I'm with you guys. They're not preparing these kids. The kids are failing in those subject areas because there's so much other stuff that should be left to the parent, if you understand my yep. meaning. Oh, yeah. Um, that should be left to the parent to teach or discuss. And these programs are being implemented that, you know, these kids are coming out. They don't know the math. They don't know the, the language arts because it's so much, like you said, being put to these other programs. Yeah, Nikki, thank you so much for calling Southern California Live. And thank you for what you're doing, Nikki. And, uh, uh, you know, we're praying for your kids, uh, your grandkids, and uh, that they get, they get educated, not just graduated. There you go. I think that's Thank a that's so a big they deal. They will with me. They will they with will you. With myself, my daughter, and my son-in-law. Yes. Yeah, they will. Thank you, Nikki, for calling SoCal Live, and that matters a lot. By the way, parents have a role. Parents have a role in all of this. There are plenty of there's plenty of good education that sometimes is missed even in the public school system because parents are just absent, and you you have got to be at you know involved if you're a parent in all the moral discussions, but also in in trying to help your kids. She mentioned our kids are so confused and they keep changing the program over and over again. I think this is one of the reasons we don't know the math and we don't know the English and we're struggling is, is it's just a bunch of programs and we're not leaving enough up to the teacher in the classroom. I know there's teachers that are good and bad, but I think most teachers went into that profession because they wanted to be educators and they have skills and they have creativity and that should be used to help educate our kids. This is Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557. Uh, Monica in Panorama City, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah. I am a public school teacher for Panorama, and uh, I teach high school math, and I just wanted to agree about the money, <laughs> that although they are um, giving a lot of money to us, um, first, the teachers don't really see much of it, but also, like, no matter how much money you give, if a a 10th grader doesn't know his times tables, and I'm trying to teach him algebra and functions and how to graph. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> right. I'm incapable of doing that if they have this wall stuck between them and the things I'm trying to teach them. And then there's, I mean, we're already instituting two or three brand new programs trying to increase their scores. And uh, they gave us the scores from last year from the public testing. And we were down like 15% or something like that. But, um, in the pandemic year, we were up, and all of us were kind of confused, but we thought, well, they were at home taking a test, so what do you think happened? Right, right. <laughs> so Mom and Dad our, took our the test. Of course, they're not telling much. You know, right. They're not really indicative of what's really happening, but I just have this wall between, and thank God I, I teach math. I don't have to teach social studies where I have these thing, these moral quandaries, you know, where I'm required to call yeah. them by their preferred pronoun or something like that, and at least I teach math, but there's just this wall stuck between the students and understanding because they were never told that they had to memorize their times tables or, you know, never pushed by their parents. They never did their homework, so do they you, don't know what's going on, and you, we're stuck. Do yeah. you feel like we don't understand how vital that is for life? Like once you get out of school, just knowing basics, that this is yeah. about jobs, this is about creativity, this is about you know, pursuing your dreams. This is about just making a living that if we're not educating people, if we can't do our times tables in the 10th grade, we're not going to make it very well. Do we not yeah, understand and a lot this? Of this is, 
they need the logic to be able to succeed in the world, but they haven't learned that. That that was something they should have learned in second and third grade, and now they're seven years past that. What are they supposed to do? Yeah, yeah, it's wrong. It's completely wrong. Monica, thank you for what you're doing and giving us a call at Southern California Live. This is SoCal Live, 888-528-2557. We're talking about the difference between policy and programs and how often in our schools, we were talking about this with the gubernatorial debate, it came up and uh, we've played some clips of that. And also in the LA Times and a national story is how poorly our kids are doing, not just because of the shutdowns during COVID, in many places that got worse. It's funny that she, uh, it's not funny, but she indicated that, oh, our kids are doing better while they're at home. I wonder how many parents did the homework for their kids. I remember sitting through third grade uh, science class and uh, <laughs> and going through uh, third grade again because my kids uh, would not pay attention unless I sat right there uh, during that period of time. 888-528-2557. Jennifer in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi. I, I really appreciated the two callers that uh, are teachers. I have a friend from high school who is a teacher for LAUSD, and the biggest problem that she's complained about is um, the kids that she tries to encourage to, you know, to learn and the parents that have come up very aggressively and um, that not been very nice when, you know, she tries to offer constructive criticism. And that she said was her biggest challenge and has been her biggest challenge is the communication with the parents about, you know, your child needs to, um, you know, step it up. So she was saying that, some kids get lost, and she, as much as she wants to try to help, the parents, some of the parents that she's encountered are very resistant. And so I, I couldn't even imagine what it would be like, you know, to be a teacher nowadays. That's, that was just my comment. Yeah, thank you, Jennifer. I, I agree with that comment, and I talked to so many teachers. You know, and some really work really hard. Some are super discouraged. Some work really hard. It's interesting to hear that when teachers hear about more money coming their way, that they almost never see it in the classroom. The whole idea that our teachers so often have to buy their own, you know, pencils and pens and, and just basic classroom supplies when we're spending hundreds of millions of dollars in the classroom, that drives me insane. But why is that happening? And you're right about parents. When we come back, we'll talk more about parents and we'll continue to take your calls on this issue. I'm asking the question, difference between policy and programs. We are seeing... Uh, In our gubernatorial debate, we saw the governor brag about a lot of new programs and money that has been spent. But even with all of that, what we are seeing is a continual decline in the education, not just in California, but but nationally. You know, nationally, we're spending more money. It's not just a California problem. It's it's national. And it seems like the more money we spend, the less educated we become uh, in a lot of ways. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. I'll be back as the Monday edition continues. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. I think that we we paid a price for this virus, and this is in part that price. I'd like to think that in the future, if something like this, God forbid, should ever happen again, that we'll be a little smarter about it. I, I know that that it is true that children certainly can suffer and be hospitalized and die from COVID, albeit 1,000-fold less likely than, say, an older adult. And I'd like to think we can probably be smarter about how to uh, to move forward with this so that the, the cure isn't worse than the disease, because we paid an enormous price, and nobody, I think, paid a bigger price. 
That was Dr. Paul Offit. He was on MSNBC today responding to a new study that is beginning to give us the picture of how badly our kids are suffering in education in general and especially over the pandemic with the school shutdowns that went on. And so we are talking about that today and the idea of the difference between policy and uh, and programs. We have plenty of new school programs. Gavin Newsom in the gubernatorial debate. Did you know that? Did you know there was a California gubernatorial debate this weekend? Did you know that he has a Republican challenger, Brian Dolly? Uh, I don't know if Gavin Newsom knew that until uh, just recently because he's been uh, campaigning out of state and and he's got a lot of money and uh, he's way ahead uh, in that race. But I was glad that they had a debate, especially in light of you know, nationally, there's there are so many people not participating in debates. I mean, if you're running for office, you need to be able to stand up to your opponent and have a conversation. And uh, I got to give credit to uh, both these guys that they did that. Um, you know, Gavin Newsom's 20 something points ahead. You know, there's no risk except that you might say something, you know, horrific that, uh, you know, sometimes can hurt you. And that's why some people don't debate if it's really close or they think they're going to win. If they don't think they can articulate things very well, they don't want people to know that, so they don't debate. I think that's terrible. We're talking about our schools and the tremendous problem there is with education. The tremendous problem that we have right here in the Southland with the numbers for testing for our kids. We're spending more money than ever, hundreds of millions of dollars of new programs, But 50,000 students in L.A. Unified alone didn't even return to school. We didn't know for sure where they are. Some of them moved, right? They just left the state. They're just gone uh, because so many people are are leaving the state for a whole bunch of different reasons. And according to the L.A. Times story that was on the front page of L.A. Times today, two out of three California students did not meet state math standards. And more than half did not meet English standards on state assessments taken in the spring. With all the money we're spending— With all of the new programs and new policies, you would think that it would make a difference, but it's not. And this came up in the debate as they were discussing this. And what I want you to hear is the difference between talking about policy and talking about programs. Okay, there is a a difference that we're not only seeing with our schools, but we're seeing that in our own life, uh, in our own, in whatever part of life, you know, that you might have money you're spending on something. You might be um, going through different programs, maybe it's a weight loss program, or maybe you're trying to educate yourself, you're trying to grow something in your life. If you're not successful, maybe the problem isn't the money or the policy, maybe it's the, or the program, maybe it's the, your own policy, maybe it's our attitude. And that's what I'm saying in the state, is that the problem's not the money. The problem is that we no longer have an attitude about education, meaning that we, we don't want to educate people in the right things. The reason that math and science and English and other core subjects were doing so poorly in those things is because we spend a lot of time and money on programs that confuse the students. They don't teach the students. There's so much social stuff going on in the schools that uh, it, it doesn't leave time for some of the teaching and especially the one-on-one and other things that some kids really, really need. 888-528-2557. If you want to join our conversation, 888-528-2557. In the debate, 
um, the governor was asked this, asked the question about his kids being in the private schools. It's true. There's been a huge investment in public education, and yet there are still huge challenges, teacher shortages, teacher burnout, families leaving public schools. You've chosen to put your kids in private schools. Obviously, there's a lot of you know things that go into a family decision like that, but what do you say to parents who wonder if you have faith in our public schools given that personal decision? I'm, I'm passionate about public education. I'm a product of public education. My kids are going to school right behind our house, a Waldorf school, which is about creativity and critical thinking and the kinds of things that we're advancing in our public education system. And the approach we've taken is to provide that same kind of choice and opportunity that my kids are afforded for every single one of our six plus million Californians going to public schools. The Waldorf schools that his kids are going to are about $20,000 a year to go to those schools, these private schools. Now, I, I don't think it's really a fair question to ask a governor of California, you know, hey, how come your kids aren't going to private school? I think if you're the governor, you have security concerns. You've got a whole lot of other concerns, okay? You know, I remember President Obama got grief for that, for his girls going to the, you know, kind of uh, high elite public school or uh, private school in Washington. And I, But he's the president of the United States, okay, for crying out loud. His kids are are in danger of of people if they wanted to influence the president okay i'm not sure that it's it's not that bad here in california and nobody knows even where sacramento is most of us but uh i don't i don't begrudge the governor for doing that or any governor for sending his kids to private school the point though is that when he turns around and he says what we're doing in our our private uh our private school here uh is the same thing that we're trying to do with our 6.1 other students that's not true you're spending all kinds of money and not changing to something that really educates our kids. And that is something that I think that matters. I think, you know, for those of you who are concerned with, with justice issues, okay, there's biblical justice, which we're commanded to do, to be concerned about the needs of the oppressed, to to be concerned about the poor, to be concerned about people who uh, don't have as much. We, we have a role to play with that. It turns into something else when it turns into social justice and a whole bunch of stuff that tends to be the difference of policy versus programs. There's a lot of programs out there, and we say hashtag social justice, and hey, look, we're doing justice. Let me tell you something. It is not justice if we're not educating kids so that they can be successful in schools. That's not justice. There, it's, it's horrific. And we've been doing this for years, way beyond Governor, Governor Newsom. Uh, Brian Dolly, his, appoint, uh, his uh, opponent, responded this way. I actually put my two older sons through uh, public education, but I have my daughter in private education because you and I both know that the better education is a private education because our schools are failing no matter how much money he throws at every single issue in the state, by the way. doesn't matter. Well, we want to get to those issues. We do want to talk about Our education system is failing our students, and parents know it. They're leaving our education system. No doubt they are. That funny to me. There's a couple times when the moderator interrupted him, and uh, it's interesting to me that he's talking about wasting money, and the first thing that she talked about was homelessness, which is a whole other thing where we're blowing all kinds of money on homeless programs that is not really helping the homeless because it's about harm reduction, which is the idea that we want you to take drugs safer. We don't think we can help you recover, so we're going to help you do drugs, the really bad stuff, the heroin and the, the meth, and uh, in, in ways that are safer for you, which makes no sense. And uh, instead of trying to get you to recover and not be on that altogether, we're spending tons of money on these programs that don't work. And we're doing this over and over again. It's more and more money. Here is the governor again. I actually put... 
And that was providing college savings accounts for 3.4 million incoming kindergartners, $1.9 billion investment. We put a partnership for achievement uh, with our higher education system. We not only provided community college for free, we now have new attainment goals, and we're lowering the cost of tuition and attendance in our higher education system, from community college to the CSUs, the UCs, the K-12 through education system. We are on the precipice of order of magnitude reform again. This is more money, more programs, but not policy changes. And, you know, it's it's not to say that uh, the other side isn't offering, you know, the thing is about the Republicans, right, is they have no power at all, none. So they can say a bunch of stuff. If Brian Dolly would somehow become the governor and win, you know, what does he want to do? Well, his website says, and what he talks about is he wants school choice. The idea with the school choice now is it's that with the – 20-something thousand I think we spend per kid in California, that you would receive basically an account with that much money that you would then choose what school your kid would go to. And the belief is, and they're trying this out for real now in Arizona. We'll see how that plays out. The belief is is that this would um, allow you to put your kids in, in better schools. So if you wanted to go to, to a Waldorf school and it's available to you, you could do that. If you wanted to go to a private school and it's available, you could do that. I think it would, it would create a lot more private schools. I also think it would reform the public schools. I think public schools are inevitable. Public schools are always going to be here. There will always be a public school option, but it should be unacceptable to us that a public school would be not educating the kids and not flexible enough to change its policies for how to educate the kids uh, so that kids actually learn the basics of life so that they can do a regular job, so that they can think logically enough to, and which is what you're being trained to do. You know, my kids probably like your kids and they say, when am I going to use this math any time in my life? I you know, and I hear them. And uh, we laugh about that. And I say every day, because that's the parent thing you say, right? We, we use it every day. Part of it, you know, why do I need to learn all the state capitals? Why do I need to memorize this and that? You know, part of it is not so that you'll know where you are in a map. It's so it develops your brain. It, it develops your ability to think all of these things. And if we take this stuff out, if we decide that it doesn't matter so much, we're, then we're graduating kids who are not educated enough to do the job, which then burdens the society more with our safety net programs and other things, and it prevents people from getting ahead. And it's a it's a major problem. This, by the way, is why we vote. And you know what? Even if your side is going to lose in wherever you're you're at, you know, a closer vote than expected can still send a message. It still sends a message to political consultants who go, "Hey, you know what? We we should have won this a lot bigger, but we didn't. What's the problem?" Well, maybe the, maybe the problem is. Um, the tide is changing. Maybe people are paying more attention. As we get ready to vote here in 15 days or today, if you've got your ballot with you and you're going to vote earlier, pay attention to candidates and what they're saying. Are they just proposing more money and more programs or are they talking about policies that will work? It matters. It matters greatly. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join our conversation. When we get back, I'll uh, I'll take your calls and I will ask you another question because this is true in our own personal lives. The difference between money and programs versus policy. What is your policy for your life? 
and or are you just leaning too much on programs and money or the wish you had money? Do you think that's going to change everything or it's policy? I say it's policy. What do you think? 888-528-2557. You can also send an email to SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. We'll be back as the Monday edition continues. Too nervous to go live on the radio with Scott Furrow? Then share your thoughts on the SoCal Live voicemail at 213-537-3812. That's 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. I am Scott Furrow, your host. It's good to be with you today. The number is 888-528-2557. If you want to call in right now, 888-528-2557. We're talking about the difference between policy and program. And in the gubernatorial debate this weekend, we heard a lot of different uh, policies um, or or programs and money being spent, especially towards education we've been talking about. And at the same time today, we have reports coming out about education in California and across the nation. And our kids are not doing well. In spite of the fact that we're spending a whole lot of money and there's a whole lot of programs, it's not going well. And this is because, in my view, the policies are wrong. The reason that we're trying to do these programs, the programs are fine. Money's fine if it's doing something. It's about policy. How does this affect you in your life, though? What policies do you have or programs are you trying to complete that aren't working? Maybe the problem is policy. 888-528-2557. Chris in Huntington Beach. Welcome to Southern California Live. Hey, Scott. Hi, Chris. I think you got your, you got your finger on the issue. The policy is what drives the programs. Prog- programs spring from policy. And they could be many varied types of programs. But we have a, a leftist government that has been in power for a long time that really kind of grew up through the educational roots, through the school boards. Uh, that's where they really consolidated their power before they crested into the governorship and the state senators and so forth. They deliberately want an uneducated mass. Because if you give kids true education and teach them logic and how to think critically about problems and problem solve, you'll have independent thinking, independently thinking population. They don't want that. What they want is a programmed, indoctrinated, and subservient population that will be totally dependent upon government to solve all the basic needs of their life. That's what would ensure power. And I see a very deliberate strategy behind all of this that goes beyond just, oops, wrong, wrong policy, we screwed up, we'll try something again. Would you say That's that the, uh, the world. Chris, would you say that the drive really uh, is that government would solve more problems? That the, the, you know, I don't think most people would say we're just trying to make everybody subversive to our will. You know, people don't say that. It happens over time when, when governments get too much control, okay? We see that all around the world. Uh, That's undeniable. Do you, do you just feel like this is this is a policy that people are trying to do, m- most people with the right reasons, and that's why they keep throwing money at it, because they just truly believe this is going to work? Or how do you feel about that? The money is the camouflage. You know, they flood these issues with money, and everybody feels good when they vote yes to, for another bond measure that somehow throws more and more money at schools, thinking they're dealing with a problem. But when they have all that money, the policy never changes. Even with the flush of money, they ne- and they've been doing the same thing over and over again, and it hasn't worked. And isn't that the definition of insanity? Right. It doesn't or work. It's the definition of deliberate programming. Yeah. And that's, 
I hate to look at that. I'm not a conspiracy thinker. It makes me sick to think that we have a government that is that, um, you know, conscious about what they're doing. But I see these policy things like, why do we have a wide open border if it's not to import a subservient class into California that would be dependent upon government? All right, Chris. Thank, thank you for your call. Okay. Thank you for your call, Chris. You know, there's a there's a, a survey out kind of along the lines of maybe where Chris is going. See, I don't. I think that what happens is people are taught that the government can do certain things, and they really believe that, right? So they're not. Now, there might be some people out there who are sinister enough that they are trying to, you know, to create a ruling class. Um, you know, deliberately. I think that what happens through bad policy, though, is you create a ruling class because the people who are leading that ruling class really believe that they're doing what's right. This is the poll that I think is interesting in all of this. This is a George Barna poll, all right, that came out recently. It said this, Americans are twice as likely to say that the government is responsible for creating meaningful change in the nation uh, then they say the same about the church, twice as likely as the church, the government. That's what people think. The poll released this week said 52% of U.S. adults believe that national government is responsible for creating meaningful change, while only 26% answered that way about religious organizations, 25% about Christian churches. Can I bring this up right here? What has the, you know, what Chris is talking about is something I feel like is is in a way going on. I'm a historian. I look at the world. How do tyrannies happen? How do people lose their rights? Well, it doesn't happen with less government. It happens with more government. Or if there's not enough government, then you have warlords and you've got, you know, local local governmenting, you know, governing tyrants, even if they're not official. Okay, you have to give the people power. Uh, you have to do this. And the less educated the people are, the less people are empowered, or the less people are understanding of how the world works, the more likely it is that you're going to continue to have problems and keep spending money on policies that don't work. This poll says that half of U.S. adults believe that the national government is responsible for creating meaningful change, and only a quarter believe that the church can do that. And see, and what's troubling about that is that means that it's only church people or or less than the number of people who go to church probably is that number like that means that even in the church we have rejected the idea that we are people who can create change and that is a rejection of the history of Jesus's church actually see Jesus's church creates change not by having political power it's never worked by the way i mean that's something to be thinking about that whenever the church has tried to to gain political power and force people into making moral decisions or force people into becoming a Christian or becoming religious or following religious rules. When people are forced to do that, it doesn't work. And it is, but when people are loved into that, when the church comes out and they love people, when the church comes out and they go into the plague and they help people who are suffering, when the church looks into the groups of people who are oppressed or the groups of people who are suffering and the church as individuals and not as individual people, but as people who are part of the body of Christ together go in, they make a difference. History has shown us this. It began with the early church where they didn't have any powerful people and they didn't have any money and they didn't have any military. They didn't have anything. And they were so wildly successful that they did change the government. And unfortunately, then the government became sort of Christianized, and then it became, you know, something where they were forcing people into becoming Christians. And then what you had was the Dark Ages, 
All right, things didn't turn out too well for that. This is a matter of policy. In the church, for Christians here, can I say this? It's super important that we go vote. We're going to talk next hour about some issues that matter in the areas of of morality, but it's not the moral teaching that matters as much as the moral result. You know, if the Bible is true, if the morality taught in Scripture is true, what that means is, is that if that's the way the the world works, then it's better for the world, and there'll be less pain and less difficulty, right? If you're making moral choices that are that are in reality bad for you, that are in reality going to cause disease or sickness or heartache or physical ailments or or psychological ailments, then you're making bad, ontologically bad choices. Christians have a way to love people and to show them the way, and that is to point people to Jesus Christ, to go and make disciples of all nations. Disciples are people who follow, okay? Not people who follow us, not people who follow you know, each of us as individuals, but people who follow Jesus, who try to get as close to Jesus as possible, to do the work that he's called us to do, to make disciples of Jesus, to be concerned about the things that Jesus is concerned about. I'll tell you what, some of the solution to our our culture and the problems that we've been talking about with school, it can start with the church. It can start with tutoring and programs like that in the church. It's not bad programs. You've got to have the right policy. But as one caller mentioned, I think it begins with those of us who are parents or grandparents who have influence over their kids. One of the biggest changes that is tragic in our country is that parents will defend their, their child even when their child is wrong. So when the teacher says that your child isn't doing well, then what's happened today is it used to be the kid's fault. When I was a kid, if I wasn't doing well in math or some subject, my I don't think there's much I could have said that would have persuaded my parents that it's the teacher's fault. And even as an adult, when I look back in time and I think about all the uh, the teachers that I've had, I think I've had one who really was a bad teacher. And in that class, everybody was failing. All right, the super, super smart kids that feel terrible about themselves if they get an A minus, when they're getting an F, it's probably the teacher. But most of the time, it was my fault if I was getting bad grades. And it's the student's fault. Parents have changed. Parents are at this place where they're like, nope, it's never my kid's fault. For us in the church, that can't be us. We have to teach responsibility. We have to, you know, be careful about our kids. We need to listen to them. And But our kids, the work is, is there. We need to be involved. There's so much more I can talk about this. But if you're a parent, part of the policy in your household needs to be that you need to be involved with your kids and that you should be talking to your teachers and encouraging your teachers. And if in the back of your mind you think your teacher's not doing a good job, support that teacher anyway. Figure out whether or not that's true. Take the time to do that. Most of the time, I think you'll find that there are so many stresses and so many difficulties on on teachers that it it will persuade you that there are different policies that need to happen. All right, there's so many more things that we can talk about And I see your calls coming up. We're going to take a break here in just a minute. And uh, we're going to ask this question in the next hour about morals. Where do they come from and do they change in time? Because there are things that are going on in our culture right now where we are being told something is immoral that 10 minutes ago was not. And we're not being told this by just some people on, you know, one side in some small town somewhere where they're just doing some weird stuff. We're being told this by people who are leading us, people who are in positions of influence and power. And 
this goes into the same discussion, really, about the difference between policy and program. If the policy is bad, if the policy is immoral, the program's not going to work. The money's not going to work. I got to take a break. This is Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. We'll be back as Southern California Live continues its Monday edition. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 